This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can you give us your reaction to what you read in this report today? Um, I was uh, uh, shocked. Um, and uh, saddened um, by uh, by what I read. Um, I think that uh, you know a lot of what I saw in there is uh, is just unacceptable. This is Vancouver Province columnist Mike Smith, and I'm Vancouver Sun columnist Rob Shaw. It's time to go in the house and go inside BC politics. All right, here we go uh, on a crazy day at the BC Legislature. Rob, this was an amazing day, big, uh, big break and development in the story around the clerk and the sergeant at arms. And you remember if we go back to last month, Speaker Daryl Plekis sort of promised British Columbians that when they found out what was going on with their money at the people's house, they would throw up. And I guess you got to say pass the barf bag because this, this report is a shocker. I mean, it just it just describes kind of a, a culture of waste and entitlement at the legislature. I'm not sure it's criminal. I'm not sure if there's going to be criminal charges here, but it certainly is shocking and sickening for taxpayers. Yeah, NDP uh, House Leader Mike Farmer said he was, quote, sickened by what he read, which I guess backs up the whole you're going to puke if you read this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, like, I guess the question will be total vindication for Speaker Daryl Plekis on this, uh, this supposed financial wrongdoing here or, or what to make of this 76 page report. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff, Smitty, that I think is very relatable to the public in terms of misspending. We often joke covering politics, you can spend a billion dollars uh, cost overrun on a computer system and the public doesn't bat their eye, but you bill a $16 orange juice and oh man, the, the fecal matter hits the fan. And this report here is filled with expenses on cufflinks and Seattle Mariners games and suits and $5,000 worth of uh, digital magazine subscriptions and a wood splitter and alcohol that went missing in a truck and we'll get into some of it. Uh, but a lot of very... I think relatable things for the public to kind of look at and say, you know what, that's probably not right. Yeah, I think it is kind of sickening. I think the public will take a look at this and say, I'm I'm grateful to the speaker that he's revealing stuff like this. Uh, whether it's going to re- result in criminal charges, that will, will be up to the police and two special prosecutors that are on the case. The investigation's still going on and no one's been charged. But certainly in the court of public opinion, I would think that a lot of people would look at this and say, man, I'm busting my hump every day and sending my tax dollars to Victoria, and I expect the politicians to spend them wisely and the officials in government to spend them wisely. But man, you look at some of this stuff, round the world luxury trips, mm-hmm. it just goes on and on. And it just seems to be part of kind of a, a, 
general kind of entitlement, uh, culture of entitlement at the legislature that Plekis found himself kind of surrounded by. And it's interesting to read the report and see how he sort of started recognizing it from the first day. Like he describes on his very first day in office, he was surprised to find all these fully stocked liquor cabinets in his office. And it was a short time after that, he went on the first of what he called a luxurious trip to the United Kingdom with these two officials where they did a lot of shopping and appeared to do a lot of sightseeing and had a couple of low stress meetings with some UK officials, but not a lot of work, according mm-hmm. to Plekas. He was he was kind of surprised by that. And at first it seemed like he just kind of went along with it. Like at first he said, I didn't want to raise it with these officials because these are these are key officials in the legislature and I was new in the speaker's job. But it just seems to me, just reading the report, that the more he saw, the more concerned he got about it. And, you know, you and I over the years, Smitty, have covered these trips, these junkets that MLAs and the Speaker uh, and people have gone on the past at legislature. They don't make a lot of sense. There's things called Commonwealth parliamentary organizations and security meetings. They go to the very sunny and warm Commonwealth countries and take a week and bring their spouses and... Uh, MLAs of all stripes have done this for years. You know, I was reporting on Linda Reed, the past speaker, taking her husband first class for a safari in South Africa at one of these conferences. So some of the examples that are in this report, trips to China, trips to the UK and Scotland, uh, the speaker saying, you know what, I took a look at these and we didn't do a lot of work. We probably didn't even need to be here for this less than one hour meeting in London on security with someone from MI5, the security agency. And yet we're expending all this money in the highest hotels and... Uh, he raises questions about uh, suits that are bought from the same store that where he gets his special speaker's hat, this special high-end, um, you know, uh, parliamentary clothing store in London. So it's yeah. kind of, in some ways, you know, it's an example of the things we've been talking about in the past for years, yeah. these bizarre junkets, but put through a lens from the speaker of here are itemized lists of things, cost benefits. What are we doing here? Should this be expensed? And when you put it down in writing, it looks like, no, I mean, it these trips are almost useless. Yeah, some of the stuff had kind of a deja vu quality to me a little bit when I was reading it. And the story that you just described about this previous speaker, Linda Reed, and her trip to Africa with her husband sprang to mind. And you recall that after that was exposed, she refunded mm-hmm. some of the money that was spent on her husband's part of the trip. And then there was a lot of, well, we're going to change the rules and tighten this up. So some of this kind of stuff has been exposed in the past and each time it's happened there's been a promise to kind of tighten things up and do better but it would appear from this report that um, the culture of entitlement and kind of just pigging out at the public trough never really kind of went anywhere like one of the stories that jumped out at me was a meeting that happened just last October where Gary Lenz the sergeant at arms according to the according to the speaker sat down for a meeting with uh, Daryl Plekis to plan some business trips. And Pleka said, you know, it was quite obvious to him, the message was to him was, just pick a spot on the map. Where do you want to go? Where in the world do you want to travel to? And we'll figure out a justification for it later. Now that's the speaker's interpretation of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mr. Lenz and, and, and uh, the clerk, uh, Craig James, are going to have an opportunity to respond to this stuff. Yeah. But and I they think have, for, they most have... people, for most people reading this report, and I really encourage readers to go online, go to theprovince.com or go to the vancouversun.com, read the report for yourself, and just decide for yourself what you make of this. And I, I, I suspect a lot of people will be upset and angry about it. 
Now, the, the uh, clerk and the sergeant-at-arms, uh, Craig James and Gary Lance, have put out a statement this afternoon saying that the, uh, the allegations in this report are, quote, um, completely false and untrue, and they felt like it was unfair by the politicians and the speaker to put this out without asking them about it. Why did you expense these things? Why did you go on these trips? What's the rationale? They felt it was a very one-sided thing to occur. So that's the, the defense. Now, they're currently suspended with pay. I don't see based on the reaction from government house leader Mike Farmworth and some others today, how they'll be returning to their jobs here at the legislature. It seems like uh, this report has coalesced the idea that uh, that their their employment here might be over. However, there is much larger criminal investigations going on by the RCMP that there no charges have been laid um, yeah. and uh, people are guilty until proven innocent that's in the court. Right. That's right. And uh, that process hasn't played out either. We don't know where that's going to go. There may, in fact, be more... Uh, allegations. The Speaker's Special Assistant Alan Mullen indicated there's other stuff that's not in this report that have been given to police. So we may not, I'm sure we haven't heard the, the end of this, but it, it to me, ha- this is, you know, you've been here longer than I have. This is my 11th year here. And I remember doing stories back when this building, you, you know, was totally secret. You couldn't get any information on how things were spent. And you have to believe that these kind of crazy expenditures were going on at that time too. And the problem that this report really highlights, I think, is that at a certain point, all the MLAs and cabinet ministers started to be forced to put their expenses online and they reformed. They stopped billing for crazy things. But these executives here at the legislature, they don't have to put their reports and their detailed receipts online the same way. And they're still spending like it's 20 years ago when this place was in secrecy. And I think that's kind of the the chickens coming home to roost in this report today is it's a it's a, a couple people and maybe more out of out of time in the way expenses are done in this building. I'm glad you mentioned the the statement that were that was put out by Craig James and Gary Lenz both saying that they're still insisting they've done nothing wrong. Um, they will have an opportunity to respond and like you said no, there's no charges have been laid and in our country you're you're innocent until you're proven guilty in court, and that hasn't been done in this case. Uh, they may have their own explanations for these charges, right? Like, for example, there, there's one sort of famous story now that has emerged in this report about the wood splitter, mm. right? That the uh, a wood splitter and a, and, a, and a truck of tools were purchased for use at the legislature, but they never arrived at the legislature. Instead, they were delivered to the house of the, the clerk, where uh, Plekis writes in his report, allegedly... They were used for their own purposes, these two officials. They have a response to that in the report saying, well, there was no room to put this equipment at the legislature, so it was kind of put temporarily at this guy's house, you know. So there may be, for every one of these instances, there may be uh, an explanation from these also, officials. Presumably they're going to have an ex- explanation. It's also the insane, pro- though, too. Yeah, to that's think the, that's a guy the who makes $340,000 as the clerk yeah. needs to get into this situation with a $3,000 wood chipper and $10,000 trailer yeah. to split wood at his house. Like, it doesn't matter. That's the part that we all have trouble here, thinking that these people make so much money a year and some of the expenses in here are so small yeah. that how do you reconcile the, that? It, it's it's very bizarre. Well, that's where it gets under the skin of the public, like you mentioned. Then this kind of stuff, when you see nickel and diming or in some cases maybe larger amounts, even if there is an explanation for it, even if you do say, well, it was approved according to the way it's always been approved around here, you know, 
basically behind the scenes and rubber stamped and it just seems like it just goes on and on. So I, I think that whether there'll be criminal charges in this matter, I think is still completely up in the air. There may never be, this may never get in front of a judge in any way, but I think that this is going to rock this place in terms of the, the way pu the public's money is spent around here. And one of the decisions that was made today was to bring in an outside forensic auditor and it's, they, the, the, the MLAs want to bring in an auditor general from outside British Columbia, which I think is good. I think the public can be a little reassured that this is going to be looked at thoroughly, they say, with someone from outside of BC. I think that's totally warranted in this case. And there's also a second unanimous recommendation from MLAs that they do a workplace review. And some parts of this report talk about uh, employees who were apparently and allegedly fired, uh, terminated without cause and certain things. There's no names uh, made in here, but clearly there'll be some type of review of how people are hired and fired in this building. Uh, and then there was also a lot of discussion today about whether this report should be public and good on the yeah. MLAs for putting yeah. this thing out. Not only is it 76 pages, but there are 31 attached exhibits on the website for the legislature that are the scanned receipts that back uh, these things up. You're welcome to go have a look at them. Uh, and uh, so I think, you know, that, you know, it's, it's just it's astounding to me, though, that we have come so far in the transparency of this building and, yeah. and constituency office and MLAs and government ministers and salaries and per diems and all the stuff now that's online, that a report like this could come out with expenses that no one's ever heard of. And a lot of the questions to MLAs today, like Mike Farmworth, who's been here for many, many years, were how did this allegedly happen with all of the checks and balances in place now, the oversight by MLAs on this all-party committee, Auditor General who audits the books annually, yeah, yeah. former Auditors General who sit on this finance and audit committee, all sorts of things. And yet somehow these expenses occur without anyone knowing or flagging them until now. Or, or it was just, that's just the way it's been done forever, that these are expenses that are allowed. You know, it's, it's okay for an official to ring up thousands of dollars in electronic magazine subscriptions. Yeah. You know, it's okay to expense these uh, articles of clothing. It, it's okay to travel around the world on, on these junkets because that's just always the way it's been done forever. And now you're, 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 what you saw in this report today was a rare glimpse behind the curtain of some very specific expenses that when the public sees them, uh, I think they're going to be shocked by it and, mm -hmm. and, and, and sickened and saddened by it. So uh, it will probably lead to changes. And it's kind of surprising in a lot of ways that this has come out because uh, we started the day with this a lot of hype about this meeting. And we knew, though, that there was a police investigation still going on. And the usual modus operandi for people in these positions of power in a situation like this is just to shut up and not say anything. And in fact, that was the very clear advice that Plekas got from Wally Opal, his now former advisor. There mm -hmm. was a very brief mention today in the uh, scrum with Alan Mullen that Mr. Opal is not the advisor for the speaker anymore. And you can bet that he was telling Opal behind the scenes, don't say anything. Mm -hmm. Let the police do their business. But this is a guy, I think, who was clearly shown today that he's a maverick. He's not going to be reined in by anyone. And he's going to he's going to lay it out there. Yep. And the MLA's from both, all three parties 
ended up going along with him today. It was an interesting response from the liberals, too, who have, yeah. they've tried to make a lot of political hay out of this because they hate Daryl Plekis. He yeah. defected from their party to become the speaker for this NDP minority government. And yet, when they emerged from this meeting, MLAs had a almost two-hour-long closed-door in-camera meeting where they reviewed this report and legal advice. The liberals were very measured in their comments. Uh, they tried to take a couple shots at the speaker, but eventually they were just basically asked, well... Don't you do you agree that that this was worth investigating and that this was something the speaker should have done yeah. and and they kind of got around to saying yeah, yeah probably yeah so I think we've see we're certainly going to see a tone down of what I have called the proxy war uh, between the NDP and Liberals on this issue where everyone's been using the speaker and the clerk and the sergeant at arms as pawns in their kind of political game to score points against each other. And this report may just put an end to that because now it's a, a well-documented series of questionable expenditures that MLAs are going to ha have to grapple with. How did they ever get approved? And how do you prevent the next person from approving them, depending on who that is? The liberals, like you say, they don't like Plekis at all because he took the speaker's job back when he was a liberal MLA, essentially allowing, allowing the, the math to work in the legislature and the NDP to form a minority government with the Green Party. They ended up, they were so mad at Plekis, they, they booted him out of the party, and he's now an independent MLA. And when we were listening to the remarks from Mary Polak today, responding for the Liberals, she tried to kind of put some blame on Plekis a little bit, saying that, well, some of this stuff was going on with his approval, mm -hmm. you know, and she said that's right in the report. And it's true, like when you go in there, you will see a description of these, some of these opulent trips with this dubious spending um, around the world, to the UK and elsewhere, and Plekis was on the trips. And he writes in the report that he didn't say anything about it. I'm just looking at it right now, Rob. He goes, I, I did not want to alienate these key officers by making it seem like I was second-guessing second guessing them or questioning what appeared to be their standard practice. So at first he was kind of going along with it. And the Liberals tried to kind of take a shot at him for that. Like, why mm -hmm. did you go along with it at first? But the way he describes it is more like he was just beginning to become aware of everything that was going on. And then he learned more and more. Obviously, he's from whistleblowers, from people in the public service who came to him with stuff. So um, I think the Liberals kind of came out in the losing end of it today. They were very critical of Plekis up until now, but they kind of had to grudgingly go along with him today. I guess the question is, was there any other way for this to be handled by the Speaker? I mean, if these are expenses and trips that were approved, things that he signed off on and other speakers have signed off on. Um, is it the kind of thing that needed to be, um, you know, given to the police in the way that it was and the individuals escorted out? Is it the kind of thing that uh, there was another way to do it? I don't know. I mean, those are the kind of questions I guess we're going to wrestle with next, which is how did this all play out? I know that Daryl Plekis, the speaker, feels, and he said this today, he feels like he got unfairly uh, criticized and tarred in, in the media by people questioning what he was doing. But he didn't release a was, stitch of information for the better part of four months on, on what this is. And had he put this out at the time in which this happened, I think perhaps uh, we, the public could have got a much better idea of what yeah. the sweet heck was going on here. It would have been fair to everyone involved rather than four months of dead silence and then a report. Nothing's changed in that four months. This could have come out at the beginning other than, uh, you know, everyone needed time to digest it, I guess. Well, it was done in such an unusual way the, with the marching out of these two officials out of the legislature under a police escort. At one point, you know, one of, he, he suggested that his uh, 
special advisor Alan Mullen should be made as an an interim mm-hmm. sergeant at arms, which seemed like a strange suggestion by him. So some of the stuff that the way this has been done is has been um, very unusual to say the least. But with this information out today, I'm still not convinced it amounts to criminal activity. I'm not sure it's going to ever result in criminal charges against these guys. But I certainly think we'll probably never see them back here again after the contents of this report has come out, which is going to anger the public. But it's certainly a, a really rare glimpse into a, what a, would appear to be a culture of entitlement in a, in a building where we've seen it before and they've said many times before, we're going to clean it up, but it appears it hasn't been cleaned up. Yeah, and then we'll all be looking to see, I guess, how they actually change those policies yeah. and procedures. We've gone through this once before. We started having open meetings. We started having documents put online. And clearly, it, it was not enough. And so I guess this outside Auditor General is going to come back at some point and tell us how we can do things better. You know, for a while, BC took credit at being the leader yeah. uh, in Canada for yeah. posting all of these things online. And I guess it, it was in a way. But the key people who were never included in that transparency are the individuals who are part of this report from the speaker today. The senior executives of the building didn't have the same accountability and transparency as the MLAs and cabinet ministers and everybody yeah. else here. And that seems to be the core of the problem and how, despite all the progress this building supposedly made, we end up back with the kind of report I would have expected, Smitty, like 15 years ago, yeah. when this place was just like two tinkles of the scotch glass for yes and one tinkle for no in these secret meetings. That was basically how stuff got done here. And uh, you think you're getting the legislature into a better place, and then you read this and go, oh, man, there's a there's a lot of work that's going to be done. So we thought we would chat with you on the special edition of the yep. In Your House uh, podcast, but we're going to be back uh, on our regular schedule and uh, hope you enjoyed this special edition. And we will talk to you again later. Yep. See you then.